Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. Hi, everybody. I'm Lauren. Tonight's theme, we're going to do the unmentionables, the uh, things in cancer. And I have a couple questions to help lead us on. So the first question that I have is, has having cancer given you a different sense of humor? Are there things now that you may laugh at that other people may seem to stray away from? I know on my end, I think that I've gotten a little bit of a darker sense of humor just because I use humor to deal with a lot of things that are beyond my control. And going through this experience has definitely made me be able to laugh at things that I think other people may or may not find as funny and often give me a horrified look when I laugh at. But I think some of us can maybe relate to some of that. So I'm curious what everybody else thinks. I kind of always had a like the same sense of humor. The humor definitely comes along with the trauma. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess there's things that I wouldn't joke about, but that I do now. I would make the remark sometimes like, I cannot walk that far. My tumor will not be happy. And like my friends like look at me like, oh, did you just say that? Like, <laughs> so yeah, definitely like I, I've gotten the horrified looks before. And to me, it's kind of like coping, I guess. <laughs> And funny and, you know, you got to laugh sometimes. I think I always had maybe a, a darker sense of humor more naturally. So I don't know if there's been a huge change there. But I certainly think that something people shy away from that I find funny whenever they do venture this way is jokes about my own diagnosis. I think done tastefully, those can be those can really crack me up and just jokes about my experience in general. I know something people commonly mention is like, there's a lot of anxiety with like getting blood work done or getting a scan. And I remember I, I had that one time and I was, you know, nervously awaiting the results. And I, I got home and I had a roommate say, how's your blood still working? And just died at his own joke. And that at least put me in a good mood for, you know, the hour, hour and a half I had to wait for the results. So I think I've, I've grown to appreciate those types of jokes a lot more. Going into my diagnosis, I had a dark sense of humor and it really helped me like in that middle time when you're waiting for the the call that yeah you have cancer like I would make jokes with my family about being bald and what that would be like even before it even became a reality and it kind of just helped me like take a step back and look at it and find something to smile about because even though the situation sucked there was still something to laugh about so I think humor definitely helped uh just coping yeah I think most of us like have experienced some pretty traumatic things but a lot of times like looking back, you can find like amusing things in things, even if things were going totally wrong for your body. Sometimes the situations you end up in are funny. And I don't think there's anything wrong with like acknowledging that. I think it's like a healthy way to cope with the situation. Just something that I used to like do constantly when I was bald during like the summer. So I'd go outside and there'd always be little kids and they're very like curious and they would always ask like, what happened to your hair? Why are you bald like my dad? And I would just be like, well, I didn't eat my vegetables and all my hair fell out. And like that would get the parents to crack up because for them, it would be horrifying that their kid asked something so rude. But for me, it was like, they, they just want to know what's going on. So I used humor a lot to explain situations too. 
I don't know if anybody can relate to that specifically as well. I can just definitely relate to all of this. Um, I've always had like a dark sense of humor. And then like when I got had cancer and stuff like that, it definitely intensified my dark sense of humor, like times a million. And I still like, like when I talk about like everything I went through, I like frame it kind of like, it's like a, like, it's almost like a stand-up special that I talk about. And it's, I could honestly write a stand-up special on my treatment and stuff because I, I frame it. And I think maybe, I don't know if it's that way for everyone. Also kind of framing it in like a humorous way tends to make it easier for not only me to handle, it's like a coping mechanism, but also for like other people to digest then. I notice more people are at like kind of more at ease when they can kind of like laugh with you about it instead of being like, oh, cancer, this big, scary, awful thing. Because yeah, it was, but also kind of funny, like kind of <laughs> to an extent. My favorite thing to do, and it's hilarious, is I always like to say, check my stats. And I'll be like, I'm two and zero, and people get the biggest kick out of it. And one of my my friends, and unfortunately, they make it used to do three Pete. That was his his thing that you know he marked himself off of because he battled cancer three times. But then it kind of for me got to be a way to re- you know recognize him as well as a way to kind of you know make humor of my situation moving forward. And you know it, it's one of those things that people laugh about all the time now to my friends because they always will say it to me back now um, when something happens moving forward. I just remembered that the the day after I was diagnosed and I had begun the the uh, of processing and realizing what was going on and I remember my the biggest thing was life continued on at my house and I remember it being where okay well we've got to still do things around the house like you can't just drop what you're doing. You got to keep moving. I'm going to take trash out. And my lovely now husband said, you know, we need to take trash out. And I said, oh, I can't, I have cancer. And that just kind of began the cycle of using, using humor and using that to kind of deal with that. And his face, uh, God love him. <laughs> so it's just kind of looked at me and busted out laughing saying, you can't keep using that excuse. Lauren, I would always do the same thing, like pulling my, my family's leg. Like, can you do this for me? No, but I had cancer, like pulling the cancer card, but very jokingly, I think it's, it's very common and it's a very, it's a funny card to pull in the right situation. Literally same boat. Like that's exactly what I did to my family and stuff that I I did it so much that within like the first week of being diagnosed, they were literally over it because they're like, okay, that doesn't work anymore. Except my older sister who like would still kind of like, I'd be like, but I have cancer. And she'd be like, okay, I guess I'll go do it for you. But it just it made things easier. Another incident too that kind of whenever Lauren was talking made me think of it. The first hour, like after like I got diagnosed, like after I finished crying and stuff, all that fun stuff was out of the way. I literally was texting with my friends, like giving them live updates as it was happening. And then like immediately I kind of just like switched um like in my head. I was like, oh, no more sad, just you know, laugh. And then I was just like, oh, can't wait for all the cancer perks I'm gonna get. And like my whole thing, like going through like treatment and stuff like that was like hashtag cancer perks or like, you know. Like the, like the fun, like little things you get for having cancer. So I actually went viral on TikTok because I made a TikTok. It was like last December, you know, I'm like completely bald, swollen <laughs> and my ID. So, okay. That picture in my Zoom is from my senior year. So two years ago. And that's what my ID looks like. And then like the sound was like, so I handed the guy my ID and he looks down at the ID and looks up at me and was like, someone got a haircut. And so I like, my ID was like me having hair and then I panned to my face and then, you know, no hair. 
So everyone got a kick out of that. That was fun. But, you know, some there's some people who are like, oh, you, what is that thing? I'm like, oh, okay, that one kind of hurt. See, my little brother then, like, started doing it to me. So my little brother donated bone marrow to me. And every time we'd get in a fight or we'd start, like, doing stuff, he'd be like, but I gave you my bone marrow and saved your life. And then it's like, oh, me feeling guilty now and kind of back at me, um, which I definitely do appreciate his, his sense of humor and, and playing along with. Awesome. Talking about cancer perks and things like that, that was mentioned as well. Were there any any particular cancer perk that stood out for you that that you felt like you were able to get that you felt very blessed to get or something that really stood out from treatment? I'm just curious. One time I was eating at a restaurant and I was still bald, so I had a head wrap, no eyebrows. Like it was very clear that I was going through treatment. And towards the end of my meal, the server came up and she was like, um, guests paid for your meal, so you don't owe anything. And I was like, I just turned to like who I was eating with, and I was like, being bald does have its benefits sometimes. But it was really nice just to see like somebody looking out for you in public, like a complete stranger in an act of kindness and, and to pay it forward. So that really touched me. I guess for me, a cancer perk would be like getting a make a wish. I don't know if that's like considered a perk. Just being able to, like, go to Hawaii and, like, spend that time, like, with my family and do, like, stuff that, like, I never would have imagined being able to do. That was pretty nice. And then also all the gift cards that people give you. Like, I came home my first day of chemo and there was a bag full of gift cards and just a bunch of fun stuff. I still have one of the gift cards to the the day because I cannot seem to use it. Every time I go to, it's TGI Fridays, every time I go to the restaurant, something goes wrong and they give us our order for free. So five years later, I cannot get rid of this gift card. I was living in North Carolina, going to school. Like they were giving like free wigs and stuff like that. And like a bunch of free stuff away at the place that like they would have like free yoga classes and, you know, all that. That was nice. Yeah, I think it was just like a lot of like kind of little like nicety like perks and stuff like that that I really enjoyed. One kind of like I think like Kayla kind of mentioned it and stuff like that, that like within the first month and stuff for me, especially. Like I got so many cards and like gift baskets from people and like I got so many blankets from people. I'm not mad about it. I still have a lot of them. I love blankets. But like, and it's just, it was so nice because I was like, this is kind of an awful situation, but these are nice like little, like little perks or like little gifts from people or just like strangers being kind or like offering to like, what do you think someone else had said was like paying for like a meal and stuff like that. It was just like, like those kind of like nice little things. I also ran into people who like did not want to help me out. So like, not that I needed help or anything, but like, I remember the one day I was in the ER overnight and I had class in the morning. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be in class. Like I I can't. So I emailed my professor and she's like, you're going to need a doctor's note. Like, I know you have cancer. Like you, so you say, but you're going to need a doctor's note. I'm like, oh, all right. Um, I would not be making this up, but okay. <laughs> oh my goodness, Allie. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of those things that kind of like come to mind that really kind of give us those positives because we're talking about some things tonight that can be a little bit sad as well. Um, one of the questions I was thinking about asking, you know, you know, because we are talking about the unmentionables, we're talking about stuff that we deal with, we may or may not have thought we were going to be dealing with with this. One of the questions that I was curious about to bring up is, you know, are is anybody going through or are there any recurring fears or ugly thoughts that you've had through treatment and even now? And then following up with that, you know, what are some of the things that you've learned or how to deal with these thoughts? Starting for me, I definitely had the recurring of 
in my mind, what did I do to go through this? Now, what did I do to cause this? It was very difficult for me to understand those type of things. So that particular thing kept hitting. And for me, dealing with that meant going to, um, I started up a therapy regimen. And I also started to talk to more people and to do those type of things, as well as my doctor, who was very supportive in that. But I'm really curious if there's anything that anyone would like to share, things that might be helpful as well for others, you know, that you've, that you've gone through those recurring thoughts and um, fears. I feel like I have that same thought a lot of the time, and I know there's probably zero science behind it, but something I do, I, I think of it from a lifestyle perspective more so. And so I think of if there were any like consistent habits that I felt maybe were slightly unhealthy in the past, I just try not to do any of them. Like whether it's like switching products or something like that, like, or foods I would eat. Like, it's funny that I think it's really just a superstition thing more than anything else. But um, that's, that's just like a very informal coping mechanism, I'd say. For me, it's the survivor's guilt, especially since I was treated like right down the hall from like kids who are like as young, well, as young as like two, three, whatever. So I have like, I've always had depression. I've had depression for a while, but this just like added to it. Um, Me not understanding why like these little kids like didn't make it. Whereas I was like 15 at the time, like, like I get like, I didn't really like have a chance. Like I hadn't lived like a long life, but like, I'm like, I've lived longer than these kids. And just, I don't know. I think about it pretty much every day. So like I go to therapy and I like talk about it. I just, some days I feel like I'm never going to get over this feeling. That would definitely be one of the unmentionables. People like kind of look at me like I'm weird sometimes when I say it, just because they're like, well, you beat cancer. Shouldn't you be like grateful and everything? And I'm like, I am. But at the same time, like, what about those little kids? And like, what about other people like in general that just don't make it? And I just feel terrible. Like I did something to them. Like, if that makes sense. I completely get that. Cause I was also like on the peds ward, but I was like 19, 20, 21, like on the peds ward. So I was like a full like adult. And like, I just like, couldn't understand like why these like tiny little humans, some of them like didn't make it. And then I did. And I don't even like really talk about it or voice that that much because like, I, I think I internalize that more than anything. So I think it's good that like, you're actually like talking to people. So that's like really good. And I think I should probably do that maybe more. It's very difficult because like, I, I don't think I like even want to process it myself. So I think that makes it hard then to like, and I like, I don't need like other people like don't need to understand because how could anyone understand? Like, I don't even understand. It's, I think that's just like, a, that's a, just a very difficult, like confusing thing. Before I came here to Penn State, I was in North Carolina. I was in a clinic and I was the only person under the age of like 45. I was 19 and people would be like, oh no, like you're going the wrong way. Like, and I'm like, no, 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 like I'm going the right way. <laughs> Thanks so. And like, people were just like, what? Because and I think like you probably felt that way when you would see like younger kids, like, wow, I'm the older one here. Like, you know, you feel sort of a guilt, but like, I kind of felt the guilt the other way. Cause I'm like, I'm so young and like, I'm probably, I mean, this treatment sucks, but I'm probably handling it better than these people who are like fragile and like have a lot more to deal with. So I get that. But on the other hand, like you got to remember, like, it's not like you caused their cancer. You're not, you didn't cause their pain. Like you can't feel responsible for it. And I kind of think of passing as like a release from pain. If that's what happens, I feel like that's what was supposed to happen. 
I know I personally just like get frustrated that I have to deal with this like and still have to deal with it. I mean, I'm done with treatment, but you're not like done when you're done with treatment. You still have other things. And like I get frustrated about like the lasting effects from chemo and things that aren't in my control and that I don't regret or feel guilty for. But it's just like it's not fair that any of us had to deal with this and it wasn't for any reason or anything. It just is like that. And that's like not always nice to think about. And then I sometimes think like, oh, like my life's going good now, but like, what if it came back? And I don't feel like that takes over my life. It's just like, sometimes you think about it. Yeah, Abby, I don't know if you're the same, but since it's, um, I'm two years out now and being done with treatment, like sometimes like not taking over my life, but I do get those thoughts every now and then it's usually like late at night when I'm like weirdly emotional for no reason. And then I just like get down like on a weird spiral, like, oh my God, like what if like my like cancer's like relapsed? And then I'm like weirdly like on like a deep dive of like WebMD and all these, like what are symptoms of like a relapse? And I'm just like reading on it. And I'm like, oh, I might kind of like have that and stuff. I don't know. I, I think it's something I'm just like always going to kind of struggle with with that. But it's it's not, it doesn't take over my life. But yeah, I do think about that a lot every now and then. As someone that has just finished and I'm currently in the process of finishing my first bout of treatment. I experienced scanxiety for the first time when I got my last scan and I'm currently waiting for results. So I feel that and also worrying as well about the uh, about recurrences and other types of things. And it's very difficult to, for others to understand. I get a lot of people that are extremely enthusiastic for me and excited and they're like, yes. And like Abby said, it's not over. I mean, this is a, and I think I heard it said once, Cancer is a lifelong diagnosis and there's things to be done as well. But to I, I can definitely say and I enjoy and I'm excited, uh, excited about that as well. But also, you know, it's not like it, it's not like it goes away. So I can speak to that as well. I think something to bounce off to from being someone who was diagnosed when you're young, the survivor's guilt changes over time. So it's initially for me when I was younger, I didn't really understand anything, but then it slowly progressed to like survivors get of other individuals who are battling. Now it's almost to like the survivors get of parents and siblings. So all of the stuff that they have to deal with going through it, realizing that it's not, it wasn't just you going through everything. It was people going through it with you, which, you know, if you're diagnosed when you're older, you understand it a little bit, but as a younger individual, when you look back, and realize the impact that it had on families' lives and it will have on families' lives. I think that's an area that we need to especially look at within the childhood population and those who may have had parents that had to take them to treatments and things like that, or even just all this as a whole. I think, you know, I don't want to speak for us all, but at the same time, I, th I think we can look at the almost PTSD from a caregiver side of things. That is something that I think I feel guilty in a certain way that they had to go through it with us. Definitely. I think that there are different levels to, like you said, Brady, to, to, to that type of thing. Um, we touched a little bit on this. We talked a little bit about some of the things um, that we consider these unmentionables, things that were brought up. Are there any other like unmentionable topics that you didn't want to discuss maybe when you were first diagnosed or something came up or, you know, you think about it at first, but, you know, maybe now you want to talk more about this kind of like things that have touched you now. And maybe other topics that we'd want to touch more in depth. I think survivor's guilt is something that came up that people were talking about. Is there anything that comes to mind? The floor is open. For my uh, women's and gender studies class this semester, one of the units we talked about was on disability. 
I feel weird sometimes identifying as disabled, but I guess I, I am, but it still feels like weird to kind of like put myself in that category. I don't know. I feel kind of like not connected. I don't know how to word that, but I was like, like one of the two people in the class that like is disabled. And so like, I was kind of like talking on some of the things with it. And I was like, there was actually probably as, as open as I've been like about anything of some of the experiences and things that I went through that were very difficult with my body, especially like during treatment, but even like now, like, and even then, like I was like pretty open, but there were things that I just like, didn't like even mention though, because it was like, it's, it's embarrassing, I guess. I don't know if anyone else when going through treatment, if they ever had like an incident, like where, like I had like once where I was like bedridden for 28 days. And so like, I had to be using the bedpan and then also like a bedside commode and stuff like that. And also like as a 20 year old woman, that was so like mortifying and like kind of like almost like dehumanizing, like to be at that age, having to need help with that. I don't really talk about that like with anyone ever. And just in general, I think just the way my body is now, it's very different than what it was before treatment. And that's very hard. And I don't like to talk about it as often, but that's a thing. Yeah, that was that was hard for me, too, um, especially being 19. And a girl, I feel like I already had self-esteem issues and then you lose your hair and stuff. And like with my treatment, I was on a steroid. So I like got very bloated, like water weight. Yeah. So that was like, that was hard. I understand that. And also feeling like you can't do things for yourself. So like, I know something that I like advocate for now is like, I feel like people need to be aware that like, you're going to have trouble using the bathroom. Like you're going to be constipated and it's not going to be fun, but you have to do it. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we need to talk about things that like, nobody wants to say, Oh, by the way, you're going to be really constipated. Like make sure before you start treatment, take like 10 stools opener, you know, like no one's going to say that because they, you might not be constipated, but I feel like people should be aware to prevent it. And also don't be ashamed when it does happen because it's not your fault your body's doing the best that it can and it's just amazing that you even got through it and you know what I mean so that's like kind of how I look at it like well you know my body brought me through it even though we had some rough patches Allison preached to what you just said and Kat you too like thank you guys both for sharing same thing like nobody wants like nobody prepared me for the butt problems that occur with chemo like everyone's like oh your mouth might get sore and you might throw up and vomit but like nobody warned me for like bloody stools horrible constipation after my first mm-hmm. round I had to go to the I had to go to the ER because I didn't poop for four days and yep. my stomach hurt so bad that they were like you might be having an abdominal bleed no I was just backed up so badly <laughs> yeah. because I wasn't taking stool softeners so like that stuff I've always been comfortable talking about because I'm kind of more like I don't have a filter. But some people like, no, that's not, that's not comfortable to talk about. So like, that's something that I feel like should be discussed more (laughs) and warned. I tell people, I'm like, so like when I had the tumor and I didn't know I had a tumor, like that was painful. Like I was in pain. Like I could not get myself out of bed. I'm like, what the heck, what's wrong with me? Like, but you know, the chemo, like I, I couldn't get myself out of bed, but nothing was worse. No pain I have ever felt in my life was worse than trying to go to the bathroom after chemo. Nothing. I'm nothing. I'm like even stubbing my toe. I'm going to put it above that. Dude, I totally hear you. Like, so this is vulgar, but like, I don't care, but you mucositis goes all the way from your mouth to the end, like to 
the anus and I would get hemorrhoids and bleeding and fissures in my rectum from the chemo. So like the last four months of my treatment, I was in excruciating pain every time I had to go to the bathroom because it was like going to the bathroom and having glass as your stool. Like that's what yeah. it felt like. And I would, and I would bleed every time. And, and I had no idea that that would be the worst aspect of treatment going into it. And oh, I just yeah. feel like a heads up would have been nice. Yeah. And everyone reacts differently. Honestly, though, even I was taking stool softeners and they weren't working. Like I was drinking milk, milk of magnesia, like drinking castor oil. I'm not kidding. And it was not coming out. You know, when they talk about cancer fighters, nobody mentions this part. It's amazing that nobody mentions this part about it. I stuck to a lot of Coley, but I, I agree. You know, thank you. Thank you so much, Kat, Allie, and Lexi for sharing, because I feel like some of my worst pain as well after chemo was dealing with these issues. And it was crazy to me just how much pain can come from that. But, um, but thank you. Thank you guys for sharing. Cause it's the, um, the less glamorous side of, of, uh, you know, all of the, the with, with cancer survivors, I think that's part of that. Anybody else have anything they want to share? Sorry. I just, I wanted to touch, I wanted to, to uh, come into that as well. Cause I think there's definitely a lot on, on that side that, uh, that we're not really prepared for. For me, I would always be so nauseous um, after chemo. I would puke a lot. And when I puked, sometimes I peed. That was one of the most awkward things for me. The worst one was when I was in the car on the way home from chemo. And I start, I just start puking. And I have to sit the whole way home in soaked pants. And it's just, that's that was honestly one of the most embarrassing and worst experience for me. Because I'm like, it's like, I can't control it so much. And it's just, it was just embarrassing. Thankfully, it was just me and my mom in the car. Just not being able to control certain things when you go through chemo, I just, is really challenging and embarrassing and just not fun. I would just say as like a generalization of that, I think someone said it earlier. I think everyone has has different experiences, different side effects and things like that. But one thing that I, I feel like is universal is that it, you just, at some point, you have like almost no control over your physical body and you are extremely vulnerable. An interesting, like positive side of that that I've found is that like, I have no sense of shame. So if someone's like, oh, I'd be embarrassed, like if I had to like do this or that, it's like, eh, I, I trust me, seen done worse. So um, at this point, it's, it's pretty hard to embarrass myself. Yeah, I definitely have to say like when I was like going through treatment, specifically that point with like the bedpans and like the and the bedside commode and stuff, which I think would be probably the most embarrassing or frustrating point for me during my treatment. My nurses, they made it so much better. And like we would just like would joke and stuff as like, you know, they're helping me do these things. That's kind of like embarrassing. But like, you know, like we all understand the situation that I can't do it myself. I need help. And like we were just like joking and like having fun. They definitely made me feel so at ease. So I think I just want to give like a shout out to nurses just like randomly because I, I love them. Like they made that so much better than it, you know, than it was. Awesome. Yay for, yay for good nurses. <laughs> we went through yeah. a lot of the physical unmentionables and I'd be curious to hear people's experience with the more mental unmentionables. I have one that I feel really weird about because I think like I, I actually kind of like only mentioned it for like the first time to my sister, like actually weirdly enough yesterday. And I'm like two years out for treatment. So that's kind of like how like unmentionable, like this is, is for me, I guess. Sometimes 
I, I miss being sick. I, I don't know how, I don't know how to explain that exactly. Like, I think there was a certain safety that like, you know, being at the hospital constantly, I felt, and I think to an extent too, I also kind of enjoyed having like that amount of care on me all the time. And like that amount of like, not like attention that sounds so bad, but like that, I don't know how to explain that. Like, not that I miss being like sick and all the things I went through. I think sometimes I just miss almost like that sense of community. And so sometimes I do kind of like, am like nostalgic. And so it, it feels weird to say like, I miss being sick, but sometimes like I'm sitting here, I'm kind of like, wow, I miss kind of, I do kind of miss that. I don't know. And I feel like that's very hard to talk about because that makes no sense to like, like anyone, especially like anyone who's like healthy and never experienced that. They'd be like, that's awful. How could you think that? Be like, I don't know. <laughs> How could I think that? I don't think you're alone, Kat. I'm currently um, dealing with some of that as well now that I'm getting out of the end of it. For me, I think what it is, is it is, I felt like after my last chemo, it kind of set me off into the world and said, there you go. And there wasn't as much like, okay, this day is this. You see the doctor here. They're going to look at this. You're going to feel, I felt very safe. I, I mean, the treatment definitely was a lot and I don't miss that, the after effects, but the care and the security of being under a doctor who's monitoring things very closely to make sure that I'm doing better. It's, it's kind of like I said, felt like it's like, okay, now you're done with this and then we'll see you in a couple months. And it's like, wait, what? Like when you're so used to the, okay, okay, this for, for me, it was every three weeks. Okay. This day on three weeks, we'll see you. And then next three weeks, we'll see you. And then this, we'll see you. And this, and it's weird now. It's like, well, then what do I do now? And it's like, well, have fun. We'll see you in a couple months. I think part of that maybe is what you're talking about. I kind of can speak to that. I think it also has to do with like the, like, like how we were talking about how the nurses were so great. Like the community of people who really just want you to be better. And like all these people are just here to help you get better. And like, they're, they really want what's best for you. And like that feeling, obviously anyone will want that feeling. You know what I mean? I finished my chemotherapy in December and then I had radiation therapy for a month through February. And like, when you have radiation, you go every single day and you see these people every single day and they're always like monitoring you. And they're like, you just feel, I think you, I think you feel like safe. And especially after you get the anxiety, like, well, it could come back. Like, well, if they're not watching me every day, then what if it comes back? You know what I mean? So you just feel safe and you feel like everybody around you is trying to get you to be the best you can be in that moment. Kind of speaking a little bit to, you know, what Casey brought up and what what we're talking a little bit more about about mental and, and things like that. I know that I'm a planner. I love planning things, you know, months ahead and, you know, and I'm always one step ahead. My husband says, you are always, I think the other day he was like, you are like six steps ahead of where we are. We haven't even made this decision and you're already ahead. So this whole scenario has really kept me thinking about for, for a bit there, it was one hour at a time, um, getting through, especially after the diagnosis. For me, it was a mental of pulling myself back from trying to think ahead when I didn't know what I was dealing with because it went into some really dark places. And I think 
kind of the reining myself back and working through those things was hard. And I think if anyone would tell me what the hardest part of my journey has been, it has been reining myself back from imagining what could be when my, I was at my lowest. And I think that that mental kind of thing back and forth was very difficult for me. Trying to imagine any type of future without all of the skills and knowing you know, what those things are uh, is very hard because our minds like to give us you know, very bleak scenarios and other types of things. So I think that was the hardest part. And that was kind of the mental type of thing that I'm currently dealing with. And that's the kind of unmentionable thing that when somebody asks me, oh, so how are you doing? I don't necessarily launch into something like that because it's very difficult for people to understand, especially at a younger age when people we know that are our same age are worried about things that sometimes we're like, why are you worrying about that when there's so many other things to worry about? I actually didn't really worry about some things during treatment. Like, like I didn't worry about the effects that would happen afterwards. Um, and I'm kind of just starting to worry about them now. Tomorrow I have an echocardiogram because uh, my heart's like, I'm having some issues with it. People always say to me like, oh, you're probably so like relieved. Like you're finally done with cancer. And it's like, not really done with it. <laughs> um because like someone else said that it is like a lifelong thing. Um, and I know a lot of people like my doctor, since she was treating like a bunch of older patients, she really wasn't worried about giving me fertility advice because she wasn't really used to doing that. So now I'm kind of like worried and worrying about that now. Now I'm on that, the other end of it. I guess that's kind of an unmentionable like thing. Like, cause when you're going through chemo, you're not like worried about the future you're worried about just getting better one of the mental things for me was jealousy of people specifically my siblings and my friends who I saw like just going on like living their life like nothing was wrong and I mean I guess for them it wasn't really like a huge thing like obviously they saw me in pain and everything but like they still got to live their lives while I'm here like stuck in a hospital bed or even like at my house the feelings of jealousy, I never want to be jealous of like someone, especially my like best friends or my siblings. Just that's how I felt. Even thinking about it, I hate how I felt, but it was just something that like I couldn't control because I saw them living their lives and I just felt like I was kind of stuck. So I don't like to tell people that because it, I feel like a terrible person for feeling that way sometimes. Yeah, thanks, Kayla. That that was exactly what I was was kind of getting at earlier. Because I think there's often so much to be grateful for, but there are negative emotions that come too that I often think people don't want to hear about as much or or expect, you know, when there's just so much to be grateful for. But I think those come with it too. And that's not not something you expect and not something I felt forewarned about. So yeah, I certainly think that's just like something that you, you hate having those feelings, but they happen. Brady, I love the mental image of ringing the bell and having it be the beginning of another step of the journey. I kept thinking to myself during treatment, I was very blessed though. I'm one that was able to, and I know not everyone chooses to do that. Not everyone is in the same, but when I rang the bell, I kept thinking this is going to be in my mind. At the end, I'm going to ring the bell. I'm going to do this. But I love the idea of it being the signal for the next step whether it be that we do this podcast and that we talk to people about these things or that, you know, we 
we advocate for ourselves as cancer survivors, as cancer thrivers, if you like that one, about things that we can do on our end, you know, as people that have gone through that and to be able to use our voices to be able to do that. So thanks for sharing, Brady. I like that. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I would I would just add on to that that I think it's very helpful to to have people to learn from in that sense. And so I am still being on treatment. I I have so much that I feel like I take from hearing those experiences. And I think at the beginning, I certainly looked at that as like the last hurrah, like congrats, it's all over. And now I don't have like that firm of a not that not that I'm not looking forward to it, but not that I have that firm of like a end date in mind. Um, and I have like what I feel are, are more reasonable expectations, something that I just never would have known to anticipate if not for, for people sharing. So I really appreciate that. So I guess my tips and tricks, you know, with what we're talking about today, I would say be gentle to yourself and reach out when you need help. Don't be afraid to do that. I say that that's my tips and tricks for, for this, um, for this theme. And highlight of this week, uh, I can't say getting married anymore because it wasn't this week, but um, highlight of this week is going back to work in an office with a supportive group and feeling like a human again. Woo! (laughs) And I'm going to choose Kat to go. Awesome. I'm just going to go with my highlight first because my highlight is coming up. My sister's coming up to pick me up to take me home for break. And I'll be just like staying back for like the rest of winter break. And I miss being around people because I live alone right now. So I'm excited to be around people. Yay. That's super exciting. I guess my tip would obviously, yeah, like you said, you know, reaching out if you need to reach out, always a good idea. Um, Even if that's just like a good friend or like a family member, not a bad idea. Also having a good comfort show that you can rely on. For me, that's Parks and Rec. When I'm feeling down, I go to Parks and Rec. Always, you know, brightens me up a little bit. Um, And I guess I will pass it off to Kayla. Get yourself a good blanket. I had this one blanket here. It's actually right here. I got it my like first month of chemo and I've had it since. It's been to Hawaii, Cyprus, pretty much all over the world with me. Yeah. So get yourself a good blanket. And then I guess my highlight would be, I found out that the NBA is coming back on December 22nd. So I will get to watch it on Christmas day, which is my favorite thing about Christmas pretty much. Well, I mean, also like spending time with family, but mainly the basketball. Casey. Yes. Also super pumped uh, about the NBA, the drafts this week. So that's always something to look forward to too. A lot of of trades going on. I would say my tip is something that I try to take advantage of is I was told to throw out the nutrition playbook for a bit. It's a lot of, a lot of times it's important to get a lot of calories and make sure you're keeping up weight. My tip is to take advantage of that. Um, and, and I try to do that. And then highlight of the week, I would say this is the last last work week for me before Thanksgiving and hoping to go down and see my mom um, shortly after wrapping up work. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. And I'll pass to Emily. My tip would be there's a lot of things you might think about after treatment. But it's okay to think about them. Just don't let them overtake you, I guess. And um, my gratitude is we had a lot of, like, I guess, difficult situations at work recently that it's just, like, in the moment, I guess you're just, like, oh, like, that was, like th- this is awful. Like, I'm never going to make it. But, like, when it's over, you're, like, okay, we're good. Like, we made it. We'll pass it to Brady. 
So my tip is being vulnerable is okay. So especially to, you know, people that you're close to, but also people that you may not have any idea and never talk to in your life. Although that sounds kind of crazy to an outsider perspective, but it's it's the truth that you need to be vulnerable. And like Emily said, recognize those areas where you may be struggling at the time. Gratitude. There's a lot to be grateful for. Definitely grateful for the NBA. Exciting times go heat. The end of the semester is coming up, so I'm grateful to have some time off where I can just relax and not have to do schoolwork right after work every day. And I only have three classes left, so I'm almost there. So I'm going to pass it to Allie. So I'm going to start. I'm grateful for the end of the semester, too. I'm tired of homework and um, definitely just like a little break that I think everybody needs. And my tip. So I was in school during treatment and I would try to set like goals for myself in the morning. Um, So my little tip is like, maybe like set a goal for yourself, but don't be upset or put down when you like, if you don't meet that goal for yourself, you know, like one goal, like you could say like, oh, I'm going to fill my water bottle up like five times and like drink all this water today. Or like, I'm going to try to eat like this amount of food, you know, just like something that you can, you know, keep your mind off something and also something that'll make like, that'll make you feel good about yourself, you know? So that was my little tip for treatment. Maybe I also failed the memory game, but I don't think Shelly went actually in our round. Tips and tricks. Um, Find a good therapist. If you find a therapist that tells you that the solution to your problems is your water filter um, and you need to get a fancy new one, don't go them again. Real life situation right here. She's also the therapist I happened to be in her office when she when I found out about 9-11. Scarred in my memory. But I'm a big fan of therapists. See a therapist. See if it check it out if you think it might be useful for you. And gratitudes for the week. So my honey is building a tunnel so that I can bring my cat down to his house and she won't run out of the garage when she uses the so it's like this contraption in the garage so she can get to her litter box but not get out the double doors it's really cute that's my that's my appreciation a little dose of my love life there guys thank you everybody for making this space super amazing and being able and wanting to share and being able to share really sensitive things i appreciate it i feel very warm and feel like it's it's a really safe space to share this stuff. So and I want to thank you all for sharing these really deep, uh, deep things. Um, because it, you know, this is not the type of thing that maybe we normally talk about. So I just wanted to thank everybody for, you know, for opening up during this time and being very, um, being, being awesome. So I want to thank everybody for that. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause. Ideas or suggestions for future episodes? Feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until Until next time. time.